The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Hill. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links here on MMAfighting.com, a special Tuesday edition because there's so much to discuss coming out of UFC 259 this past Saturday night in Las Vegas. We had three title fights, two of the champions retained. We have one new champion and we all know what happened there. So let's talk about all that and more. Of course, for those watching right now, we want you to get involved with the program. Give us your thoughts on the topics let us know how you score these rounds as we have ourselves a good old-fashioned BTL championship matchup. So let us introduce the players involved and get to our first topic. First, the challenger, the number one contender. He defeated a very game Alex K. Lee last week on the program to earn his opportunity from the Body Lock MMA. Mr. Matthew Wells, how are you, man? Welcome back. Thanks for having me back. I am well prepared for this matchup today i believe against the uh i so-called champion uh just just don't illegally knee me in the head okay <laughs> and uh introducing the reigning defending undisputed btl champ back from a very busy trip in las vegas tremendous coverage as always the host of the a-side the man with the sickest shirts in mma media from mmafighting.com jose youngs how are you sir well, sorry, I was setting my uh, fantasy basketball team much to the, um, uh, as Casey Lydon suggested, I should probably do all this before, like right when we got on air. So if you have any fantasy advice that you need, direct it all at Casey Lydon. He's the man to do it. But anyway, I'm glad to be here and actually defend my title. No six shirt today, just solid black. All my six shirts are in the wash. Fight, light. Fight weeks are a little longer. Got to spread out the six shirts. But yes, thank you for having me. I called out Matt. He's here. I'm glad we're getting this done. Been wanting to challenge this cat for a long time. One of my good friends of the business. No illegal stuff. Just straight and narrow. We love it. Love the sportsmanship. This is good stuff. And let's get right into this. We'll start at the uh, the top of the bill. Round of applause for the sportsmanship. Let's start with the main event for the UFC light heavyweight title. Jan Blachowicz earns a five-round unanimous decision to retain his title. He hands Israel Adesanya his first MMA loss. And this incredible run for the legendary Polish power, Jan Blachowicz, continues on. So, Jose, we're going to begin with you. 
What were your thoughts on Bo- on Blahovich's performance and also the scoring of the fight? Because all three judges gave Blahovich four of the five rounds. Two of them gave the champ 10-8 rounds in the fifth and final round. What did you think of the performance, the fight, and the scoring overall? Um, well, the scoring, I think the scoring it is what it is. I think at the end of the day, the person that everyone in the media room thought won one, whether you have a disagreement with the scorecards or cards or not is another is I think irrelevant at this point because it's not like it was a robbery. It's not like the scorecards gave announced the wrong winner. So I had a two, two going into the final round. And I did think Jan won the final round. I thought Jan just did exactly what he had to do. He just made it an uncomfortable fight with Israel. Asana. he was like, regardless of what, regardless of what the commentary said, watch that fight muted because I actually watched that. Usually I try to watch the fights on mute, especially when I'm there. It's usually muted on in the back anyway because we're interviewing fighters. But for this one, they turned the audio on. So I actually got to hear the commentary. Regardless of what Rogan and DC and everyone is saying, Jan Blahovich checked a lot of kicks and they weren't wobbling him as much as DC and Rogan. Like, I'm pretty sure they had Israel Adesanya up 10-9 before the fight even started. I'm pretty sure Jan Blahovich was rocked from every single feint he threw, which is nonsense. Jan Blahovich did exactly what he needed to do. He made it uncomfortable. He got in close. He used his weight to control the fight, and he checked a ton of kicks from Israel Asanya. So it wasn't like he just beat him up. He didn't beat his ass. He just beat him in a fight, in a mixed martial arts competition. He won three rounds to two, and he got to keep his belt, and that's what champions do. They do what they need to do to win, and they don't take any unnecessary risks, and that is what Jan did. Deserving champion, deserving winner. Did not agree with the scorecards, but at least they got the right winner right. What did you think of the fight, Matt? What did you think of the scoring? Did it uh, did it go the way you had scored it on Saturday? So it did not, because initially I actually scored this fight for Israel Adesanya, much to uh, the surprise of a lot of people out there. I think on MMA decisions, only seven of the 30-ish media members or so scored it for Adesanya. Initially, on the first watch, I had rounds one through three for Izzy. Four and five clearly were Jan rounds, but I watched the fight again this morning, and I lean for that second round for Jan now. So I would have had it 48-47 today for Jan Blahovich. And even on the night of, I wasn't mad at the decision. It was a close fight, and even Izzy kind of talked about it after the fact, where he was like, you know, I looked up, and it was the fourth round. It just didn't feel like a lot of significant action was really happening. It just felt like two guys were out there kind of flowing with each other. And it really didn't feel like there were very many big moments in the fight. So I'm not mad at the results. Um, I thought it was a good showcase for both guys. I don't think, you know, either guy looked bad in the, in this, um, they both looked pretty good. And I think it's a, it was an opportunity for Jan to really solidify his position as the light heavyweight champion. And I think he did that. Um, it, you know, it, it wasn't the most exciting performance in the world. You know, if you were a casual viewer tuning in for the first time, but I think he showed a lot of people that he is going to be a problem for a lot of people ever since he, you know, he hit the switch and all of a sudden became a guy that's just like, you know what? I, I'm done losing. <laughs> so I'm here. I'm the champ now and everybody else is going to have to deal with it.
I can't hear Mike. Uh, this is <clears throat> this is the truck chiming in, Mr. Heck. Can you turn your mic on? Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. All rookie, right. rookie mistake. Uh, right. So I apologize for that. But to kind of build on what you just said, Matt, you know, with Blahovich fighting Adesanya, biggest name he's ever faced, maybe will ever face in his career at this point, looking at the structure of 205 right now. I thought the late round strategy, it was kind of what I was looking for early in the fight, but I thought in terms of getting the win and beating Adesanya, as you guys both alluded to, I thought he did everything right. He gets a huge win. And we talked last week about whether or not he would get that Adesanya rub in victory, Matt. Did he like, do you think his stock rose immensely coming out of Saturday night? Immensely? No, I think it, I think it's just like a steady rise, you know, like a, like your average, I guess, like 10%, you know, five to 10% jump on the stock market on the Monday morning, you know, just a nice little increase. Wasn't anything astronomical, like, you know, a GME, but uh, I think it's a good, it was a good showcase overall because he went out there and proved that, a guy like Stylebender, who a lot of people thought was just going to go out there and style on him, myself included. Um, I don't know. There weren't very many people in media picking Blahovich to win this fight. A lot of people thought Izzy was going to be the quicker guy going in, a, in there and just, you know, being able to put together combinations and possibly catch him with a hard counter to, you know, really rock his world. And he actually did that at one point, but wasn't able to capitalize on it for very much. But I think it was, again, it was just like a good, a good showcase for Jan saying that, Hey, I am one of the best in the world. Look at what I can do against the guy that everybody said was going to come in here and, you know, become a double champion. And he, he really just shut all that talk down. And now everyone has to look at Jan as that guy. Is he really going to hold on to this belt for a long time? Um, you know, with the impending matchup against Glover Teixeira, I, I can still see people picking Glover Teixeira. A lot of us just, habitually pick against Jan Blahovich, and I think a lot of that is due to his early stumbles in his UFC career. Uh, we really have to look at what he's done for us lately, and what he's done for us lately has been pretty impressive. So it's time to get on the Jan Blahovich train, I think. What do you think, Jose? Matt's saying stock increase 5 to 10% for Blahovich. Are you, are you with that number, or you think it's, it's more than that? Uh, that's probably about right. He didn't take any massive leaps with this performance because I think like one of the last, like I think on the preview show, maybe I said depends on how he would win. Because a win is a win over Israel Asana. It's the first loss he's ever had. And if you really look at Jan Blahovic's past few fights, he's beaten everyone that John Jones was supposed to fight and beat. Like if Luke Rockhold had beat him, if Jacare had beat him, if if Dom had beat him for the interim title, if Corey Anderson had won, like he's taking out all these guys that were supposed to be the next contender and he's doing it impressively. And then he gets Izzy before John and he beats Izzy. So uh, he's clearly in the top 10 of the pound for pound ranking. If that's what we're talking about, like if that's the stock, then that's the ma a massive leap. But in the eyes of the fans, I don't think he's going to be this big pay-per-view draw. Like he might not, if he fights, he might not be in the main event. Uh, well, I mean, it, he would have to be the main event for, uh, if he's the higher weight class of 205, probably, but they might try to stick him with a lot of other champions, maybe another title in the in the co-main event, just to kind of bring in those fans. I don't think he's one of those fighters that you can put just his title fight on the top of the card, and it will bring in a lot of eyeballs. I might need to bring it. They might need to put the band in white. Like if they book another, if they book the Glover fight, and they want to book the Jan Algermain as the co-main event to bring in eyeballs, they'll probably do that. But right now, I don't think Jan did enough to kind of cement himself as a one title fight on a card fighter but a win is a win he beat a guy that everyone thought was going to be the greatest fighter of all time so in 
And like he said, Israel Adesanya has to remember that fight for the rest of his life is the first time he ever lost. So, yeah, stock rises, but not astronomically. Let's talk about Adesanya, Jose. I mean, obviously, this one stings. His chance to make history was put on hold. He'll go back to 85 where he has a slew of challenges there because there's no shortage of guys that he can fight that that are interesting. The performance, both sides, Adesanya especially, very technical, but... The way he handled the loss, Jose, is what really stuck out to me. It was incredible. And usually stocks fall in a loss, but did the way he handled himself in the aftermath sort of negate that in your opinion? Like when you look at Adesanya's stock, did it rise? Did it fall? Did it stay the same? Uh, it definitely rose, I think. Uh, probably, again, not leaps and bounds in ter- like like Jan did because he won, but I, he definitely rose the way he handled Because like for everything we knock Conor McGregor for, like we always talk about how he handles his losses. Like he loses and he's like, fair play to the guy. He beat me. I want that rematch. Izzy didn't call for the rematch right away. He said he's going to go back down to middleweight and see the lay of the land. And he even said, like, who do you want to fight, Darren Till? But even he said, but he might not be the most deserving. So even he's accepting the fact that he might not got, get the till fight. So again, just like Jan, he wants to fight the number one contender globe chair because he earned it. Israel Adesanya is a great champion in middleweight. He wants to fight the next guy. And I think a lot of people did not like Israel Adesanya for the way he handled the Paulo Costa win, maybe how the fight against Joel Romero, they just, it rubs people the wrong way. Uh, I think this really opened the eyes to a lot of people where they expect him to be sour grapes and the loss and, he lost. He didn't get beat up. And he even said, if I'm going to lose to a guy, I'd rather lose to a great guy like Jan, who has a great story himself. So he's a fan of the sport. He likes the guy that he lost to. So all fair play to the guy. I think he did a lot to uh, change a lot of change a lot of opinions in the eyes of fans with the way he handled his first professional loss. And uh, commendable, commendable, honestly. What do you think, Matt? I thought he handled it better than expected for me because he showed up to the post-fight press conference just with a smile on his face really and with a strange air of confidence you know it it really didn't feel like when he when he showed up to that to that table and sat there it didn't feel like he had just lost a fight it didn't feel like he just lost his opportunity for a you know to become a double champion didn't feel like he had his first professional loss he showed up with like an air of confidence about him and almost you know, a humble, a humbleness about it too. Like he just showed up and, you know, it, it just didn't seem like anything was bothering him. But at the same time, he was real appreciative of Jan, which I really liked because, you know, he said that if he had to lose to someone, it, he was glad uh, it was a guy like Jan. And so obviously the respect level is there. Um, there wasn't any trash talk or anything like that. And I think it was just the better part of martial arts that we don't always see is when two guys just show up, compete, and then, you know, they can shake hands and hug at the end of the day. We see that often, but to see it at the highest level and the title fights, it's really, it's really special. I, I think that that surprised a lot of people as well, because a lot of people like Jose was kind of touching on there. They see Izzy as this, you know, overly cocky dude who, I guess, along with that, they don't think that he also has that ability to recognize um, his shortcomings, which is not true because I've always kind of pegged him as a guy that's, yeah, he's going to go out there and play to the crowd. I think he knows how to get attention, but I also think along with that, he knows the realities of where he is as a fighter and what he needs to improve on. And he's always kind of talked about that. You know, um, that's one of the main reasons he didn't jump right into a fight with John Jones. You know, he was like, I'm not ready yet. Um, you know, let, let me, let me get my skills to where they need to be. And then we'll, we'll go that route. 
and you know, like he said, um, in the immediate, uh, when speaking with John Joe or <laughs> with uh, Joe Rogan, rather, you know, he said, he, you know, he he dared to be great. It did. It just didn't work out for him, and we'll go back to the middleweight division and and rule it with a iron black fist. So that's what I'm looking forward to seeing him do, man. And I really did appreciate just the whole uh, the whole vibe that he was putting out at that uh, post fight press conference, man. It seemed like. This is a guy that a lot of people can get behind, whether you think he's too cocky or not. I mean, I don't see how you watch that and you're not a fan of the guy. Last thing on this, and Matt, I'll kick it back to you because, you know, last week in, in the show's history, we we like to play the what if game with fights like this. Like what's better for business? What's the best result overall and things of that nature. Had Israel Adesanya won, we're looking at John Jones. Let's book this thing as soon as possible. They're already, Izzy was already talking about maybe doing it at the end of the year in December. John Jones was tweeting during the fight. Let's do it in December. To me, especially after what happened in the Bantamweight title fight, which we'll talk about next, I feel like the karmic MMA rhythm went back to a positive place on Saturday night because Neither guy took a big hit in the reputation department. Jan gets a big win. Is he still a world champion? And 41-year-old Glover Teixeira is finally going to get his title shot this year. So with all that said, was this the best result overall, Matt, seeing the pieces fall into place? It was the best result if you don't like toxic trash talk <laughs> leading the, you know, the, <laughs> the main events of, of your pay-per-view cards because... If Izzy won, I could imagine, like, if he knocked out Jan and immediately got on the mic and started calling out John Jones, yeah, we would be looking at all sorts of toxicity on the uh, timeline right now from both of those guys. So, yeah, in that respect, it's kind of cool that the everything's right in the nature, everything's calm. Uh, we get the divisions kind of reset, <laughs> you know. Let's get Glover his title shot before he retires. So I love that that is going to happen now. And yeah, it's it's more so let's get back to competitiveness versus the overt trash talk driving all of our main events, at least for the short term. So now Izzy goes back to 185. He's going to fight the number one contender there. And we see how that all shakes out. So I, I, I do like it that we're back to a little bit of calmness, at least for the very, very short term. Um, it will pick up, though, after I think uh, Izzy goes and gets another title defense at 185 if that does happen. We can see him starting to slowly, you know, ramp that stuff up again. Jose, we love fantasy matchmaking. Adesanya versus Jones was was fun. You know, quarantine Adesanya likes to get after Jones and vice versa. But I feel like, and we could still see that at the end of the day. But right now, I feel like things are right in the world, you know, with the way this played out and how these divisions will move forward. Is, was this like the best result on Saturday for all parties? Mm, it's best in terms of the divisions that's for sure because now izzy has to go defend his title in his division and glover finally gets the title shot he's been clamoring for since he lost to john jones in baltimore so many years ago so uh it's best in terms of and like i i agree with what matt said like i don't there are certain things i don't like brought up in trash talk like some trash talk i get it sells the fight like sterling and Jan did did the best of their ability to build that fight but i don't like people bringing up religion politics or family and jones and izzy brought up two of those things in religion and family and i was not here for it i did not enjoy that whatsoever yes it was it drew a lot of eyeballs yes it brought a lot of uh heat to that that rivalry 
wasn't a fan of it personally. So I'm looking forward to not having to deal with that as a fan. As, obviously, as reporters, we're going to report on it the best that we can. But as a fan of the sport, didn't want to see it. So uh, I'm glad Glover gets the fight. I really want to see Robert Whittaker rematch Israel Adesanya. I think they're the two best middleweights in the world. Uh, if he gets through Paulo Costa, like I think he will, I think that's the fight that's obviously the most deserving. But if Darren Till wins, it'll probably be Darren Till, which is a fresh matchup. So for the divisions, it's great. We just keep rolling on. We don't get the George St. Pierre treatment where he wins, and then all of a sudden we're like, oh, we have a vacant belt. And then all of a sudden if Jones – like if Izzy had gone up to heavyweight, he has two belts, and he has to vacate one. So uh, big fan of, of of all these. The Glover-Yon fight is an awesome fight, and then the Izzy versus one of these middleweights coming up is going to be an awesome fight. It, I don't want to say it's right with the world because if he won, he won. I don't want to say him him losing is the right thing to do or the right thing that happens. I just think in terms of – competitive fights this was the best outcome for the divisions not necessarily the champions because if Izzy had won he's going to make a bunch of money which at the end of the day they're prize fighters and you should make as much money as possible if you're going to get punched in the head for a living so for Izzy it's the worst case scenario for Jan and the rest of for for Jan it's a big it's the best case scenario because he went he beats the guy that's a money draw right now that we're talking about can he be the next Conor McGregor and then for 205 and middleweight it's without a doubt the best scenario so Depends on which 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 angle you take. Good for both guys. Good for Glover because what a crazy week that must have been for him too. Like he's the backup guy, comes out of UFC 259 is one of the big winners for sure. And a lot of people are like, oh, we got to, you know, Glover's going to be on standby. He's going to be waiting and, you know, impatient until these guys get in the octagon. But I think even beyond that, that those 25 minutes were gut wrenching for him. But those last two rounds probably made him feel pretty good. Now he's going to get a title shot. So we go from the biggest storyline heading in to the biggest storyline coming out. The first point of this championship matchup goes to. Jose Young's on the board. It's one to nothing. Great, great battle. And we still got three more questions at least to get to. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. So let's get to the biggest story coming out of Saturday night. We have a brand new UFC Bantamweight champion. It is Aljamain Sterling, and not in the way anybody imagined it would happen, because as everybody knows by now, late in the fourth round, Piotr Jan drills Aljamain Sterling with an illegal knee, deemed intentional, and after several minutes of Aljamain Sterling trying to recover 
Not one, but two check-ins with the doctor. It was deemed that Aljo could not continue. Jan was disqualified and lost the title. Matt, we're going to begin with you before we dissect this a little further. What was your reaction on Saturday night watching this knee land and the unfortunate way this fight ended? You know, I was we were on our live stream over at the body lock and I immediately said that was the dumbest move I have ever seen in any championship fight in the history of the UFC. Uh, the way that he had Aljo framed down with his knee down on the canvas, waited a solid six seconds, seven seconds before throwing this knee and then acted, acted surprised. Uh, listen, I don't care. Like all the talk has come out, you know, after the fact about, oh, his corner told him to throw it. And then he checked with his corner before throwing it. And then he threw it and he didn't know the rules. They're told the rules in the back. <laughs> You're a professional fighter. Um, you, you are a champion. <laughs> How do you not know the rules at this point, especially when it comes to the, the down fighter rule? Like that's one of the biggest ones. Um, that's usually a hot topic that they discuss in the back before every fight, because that rule in particular changes from city to city. So you have to know that one in particular. It, it's just wild that Jan didn't know this um, and that he actually just you know, even at, at the end, held his hand up like like he did something good when Bruce Buffer was doing his thing. Just absolute madness all, all the way around. And I cannot stand a single one of you people out there, you hashtag MMA fans that want to claim that Aljo was acting. Go, go, get a, go get a friend of yours to hit you upside the head with a bat while you're not looking and tell me how you feel. All right. We're, I can't wait to dive into this further, but uh, Jose, just your initial reaction, because, you know, like Matt just said, we've never seen anything like this in a UFC title fight. How did you react in the media room to this knee and Alger becoming the champion in that manner? Oh, man. So <clears throat> when we're in the media room, we're usually sitting and we're like watching from the TV. But like I had to stand for this one. Like me and our good friend Oscar Willis were like, I can't I can't stand for this. I got like I, I, I mean, I have to stand for this. I can't sit down. So we were like like on the edge of like, just like this fight is awesome. This fight is insane. We were so, it was such a good fight up until the illegal knee. And then as soon as it happened, we both just threw our hands up in the air. It, it was just an absolute travesty. And I agree with Matt. I don't want to hear all this, like this, this actor main Sterling or best actor goes to Aljermaine Sterling, or he was trying to get his way out. Like do got hit in the head illegally rules are rules. You can't take a third strike in baseball and be like, you know what? I think like, you can't just stay up to bat. You struck out. It's a, it's the rule. They are there for a reason. Like even Alderman Strong said it two years ago. Like how far do we have to go before you before the breaking the rules is a loss? Like it, are the rules actually just break the rules as much as you can without getting caught? That's nonsense. And for all this, we talk about like oh. Low blows need to lead to a point deduction. Eye pokes need to lead to a point deduction. Oh, you've worn the guy four times for holding the fence and you haven't taken a point away. Like these refs are terrible. And then as soon as there's an actual disqualification loss for an illegal blow, everyone is up in arms over this. It's probably because they didn't like Aljamain Sterling, which is ridiculous because he's one of the best fighters and one of the coolest guys in the world in, in the sport. Peter Yan is also awesome and he's also a phenomenal fighter. Just had a complete brain fart in there and threw an illegal blow it is so unfortunate because as we said in our preview show and as i'm sure matt said in anything he's in any of his preview shows or last week on between the licks this fight 
was everyone's potential fight of the night and was shaping up to be that until this illegal blow. I they have to do the rematch, man. Like nothing else is acceptable in my mind. That fight ruled up until it, up until it happened. I get why people are upset about Aljamain posting stuff and everything, but like he said, like what am I going to do? Say tell my friends not to. Like they were they came here to watch me fight. They can do their thing if they want to with me. Like, but Aljamain left the title in the octagon when he walked out. He didn't even want it. I also he also said he thought it would be a no contest. I think that's maybe why Peter. Jan held his hand up. Maybe he thought it would be a no contest too, and he gets to keep his belt. Turned out to be a DQ. At least the refs are going this route. Because if it was a no contest, we'd be having this. The argument would be: should it have been a disqualification? And then it probably would have even been a bigger controversy because Aljamain Sterling was like, "I should be the champion because I got a legally need." This is the worst case scenario right now, though. I pray they run it back. So there, there's a lot to unpack with this whole situation, and part of and part of me just like and, and it, it sucks going down this rabbit hole because you just it's it's dangerous territory. But I, I always think about like what if Aljo is okay? They would have probably taken two points away, and if Aljo won the fifth round, it would have been a draw. And this is a completely different conversation. So there is a lot to unpack with this whole thing. First of all, Jose, I want to talk about the aftermath because Sterling wins the title. He wasn't happy about it. He does the post-fight interview, which I spoke with Eric Nixick last night. He sort of walked us through how that all went down. And he was like, no, he's not doing a post-fight interview. So how he got in that seat is beyond me. It's beyond him. He doesn't even know what happened there. But, you know, listen, he had a lot of friends and family come out. They're all proud of him. They want him to hold the title in photos and call himself a champion. And since Saturday night, a lot of heat, a lot of negativity has been thrown in his direction from fans, media members, even his fellow fighters and bantamweights. I'm just curious, like outside of the the whole actor main Sterling thing, just the overall thing with the photos and Marab posting photos, like he's not posting photos with him carrying the title. Like what have you made of this reaction and how a lot of people have, I guess, turned on Aljamain Sterling here for something that wasn't his fault? It's the same people that don't like Israel Adesanya and you can look into that as much as you want. I'm not going to say it because we all know what I'm trying to say. Alzheimer Sterling didn't do anything wrong. He did nothing wrong. People are just mad that, Hey, I'm sure there's a group of people. And I think even Henry Cejudo said the same thing when he apologized, he was upset in the moment because he was upset. The fight ended like that. And he was upset. That is that Alzheimer Sterling looks like he was, he was fine when he was when it looked like he wasn't when he was like on like writhing in pain inside the octagon and then he apologized he's like i i was just it was the heat of the moment i am confident there are people like that too that were just upset in the moment and now that it's kind of the dust is settled they're like all right it wasn't a legal blow this whole conspiracy thing where he was not hurt is stupid like stupid like i don't want to hear it. i don't want to hear best actor anymore the dude got hit in the head illegally like that's the end of the story he lost he won because the guy broke the rules that's what happens you win a title fight you get popped for steroids you break the rules that's a loss because you broke the rules like peter Yan didn't take steroids but still lost because he broke the rules so uh should it have been a no contest no it should have been a disqualification because dens the rules like that's it the fan backlash is not surprising though because these are the same people that were like oh anthony smith should have like taken the high road but then people are arguing he shouldn't uh taken the high road so no one's going to be happy across the board but i'm pretty confident 
that people are mad that Aljamain Sterling won for a very specific reason, and it's the same people that hate Israel Adesanya for whatever reason, it's it's nonsense. It's absolutely nonsense, but it's not surprising. It's honestly not surprising. Uh, I should be more surprised. At the time, I was surprised when I was seeing all this backlash, but then I sat there, I'm like, am, am, like it's MMA fans. Why am I, like, why? They're going to be mad for no reason. Uh, and some people obviously change their minds and stuff, but it is what it, it's not. It is what it is. It's an, it's unfortunate. I'm, it's just unfortunate all around. Matt, what, what have you made of this backlash towards Sterling? Not just that, like even Ray Longo, we're seeing him do interviews with different outlets and he's saying that he's gotten more hate over this than anything that has ever happened in his entire coaching career. It's just wild to think about, but you know, what, what have you made of, of all this? Even like guys like John McCarthy and Josh Thompson saying different things. Like what have you made of this whole thing? It's, it's insane because as Jose has, has kind of touched on here already, rules are rules for a reason. And we can talk about the grounded knee, you know, the grounded fighter rule uh, as a separate thing. But at the end of the day, if you illegally strike someone, you are supposed to lose the fight at the bare minimum. Like at the bare minimum, you're supposed to get points taken away. Um, we saw a point taken away quickly for a cage grab just last week. So what is supposed to happen here when you have seven seconds to think about throwing an illegal knee and you throw it <laughs> while the guy is still still grounded? I don't care if it's a title fight. I don't care if it's the first fight on the early prelims on fight pass. An illegal strike, one that devastating, if the fighter cannot continue, you lose the fight and you lose your title. And we can also make a case, why does he also why does he get an immediate rematch for throwing an illegal strike in a title fight? That's a question that we can also ask. But at the end of the day, you cannot fault Aljamain Sterling for being on the receiving end of someone breaking the rules. If that's the case, any champion or anyone that is losing a fight in a, in a marquee spot, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and just start kicking them in the junk repeatedly just until I get that DQ. You know why? Because I won't lose my title, according to some of you, some of you hashtag MMA fans out there that don't believe that that should be part of the rule set. No, that's just not how it works. If you do illegal things, you have to face the repercussions, including losing the fight and or losing your title if that is what's on the line. So I don't fault Aljamain here. You shouldn't be going after his coaches because what what did his coaches do? They weren't they weren't out there saying, Aljo, stay down, stay down, take the title. We saw none of that. <laughs> it wasn't that was not the case. The doctor came in, Mark Smith handled this situation perfectly. If you go back and rewatch the clip at 41 seconds, right when Aljo's knee hits the ground, Mark Smith is right there. He says, grounded and points. He's like grounded. Six, seven, seven seconds later, Peter, Peter Jan throws the knee. And here we are. Everybody just outraged at Aljamain Sterling for being on the receiving end of a an illegal strike. Like, he didn't do anything wrong there. The only thing that you can fault Aljamain for is, I guess, just not being tough enough to take a, a, a knee that he didn't see to the side of the head. You know, he said that on his YouTube video that the reason why he didn't you know, respond as well to that is because he didn't see it coming. Like he didn't have an opportunity to brace himself or kind of roll with it or anything like that. He did not see the knee and you can watch the replay. His eyes are looking straight at the canvas because he's in his mind. He's thinking I'm in a safe spot here based on the grounded fighter rule, but no, Petr Jan doesn't know the rules and he's a championship fighter. So sure. Let's pass the blame on the guy who got need in the head. doesn't make any sense. So uh, I'm glad you said what you said 
to, to begin that statement, Matt, because there has been some debate on where this should all go. Like it seems imminent that we're going to see the rematch. And right now there's a glaring hole in May. There's nothing on the books for that pay-per-view. So I would assume that's what the UFC will try to target. If Aljo can be cleared, that seems like perfect world scenario, but who the hell knows what's going to happen. But there are some folks out there who think, you know what? Jan lost. He got DQ'd. He made a huge mistake. He lost the belt. Maybe he shouldn't get a rematch. Maybe we give Aljo TJ Dillashaw, let Jan fight somebody else, earn his way back. Personally, I couldn't disagree with that sentiment more because I feel like losing the title, losing money, he loses pay-per-view points in the rematch. I feel like that's enough punishment, especially since he was pulling away with the fight in the fourth round. In your mind, do you feel that there's an argument to be made against the immediate rematch? Is that for me first? Yeah, that's for you. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's definitely an argument for it. You can, you can talk about it because again, like if, if he really did this maliciously, which I think he did um, in the moment, like I said, you have seven seconds to think about what's happening in there. And that's an eternity in an MMA fight, right? Especially when you have control of the situation, you have your opponent essentially like in a, in a lockdown position, you, you have every opportunity to think about what you're doing there. You know, if you go back and watch the film again, you hear, someone from Jan's corner say, punch, punch, just punch in English. And then apparently that was translated to him. And then I don't know if something got lost in translation because you also see Jan kind of look over real quick and I guess acknowledge, and then he throws the knee. So there was a lot of stuff happening there, but at the same time, at the end of the day, you're the fighter. You're supposed to be in, in control of everything that's going on there. So it's, it's, it's illegal and it's intentional I don't like the idea that, you know, you can't ask the question of, yeah, you, you did something very illegal in a title fight. Um, why should we put you right back in a title fight? So that's a very valid question. And I would like to see that argument being brought up more. Um, at the very least, you, you know, you do the rematch, but yeah, that's something that you have to consider, man. Like, how do you not know the rules at this level? You're at the, the top of the division in the, in the biggest, biggest platform in MMA. Doesn't make sense. Jose, you seem to be chips in the middle on the rematch. Do you see any argument to be made against the immediate rematch? Maybe oh, go a different I'm, direction. No, I'm all in on the rematch, honestly. Like, I am 100% in. Um, there, obviously, what Matt said is true. Like, he broke the rules. Why reward that? Like, if you sign a contract that says you cannot eat green jello for the seven weeks leading up to your fight and you eat green jello, that's on you. Is the rule stupid? Probably, but that's the rule. Like, that's just how it is. So, uh, I get it. You don't want to reward someone for breaking the rules, but I also agree with what you said. Lost the title, loses pay-per-view points, doesn't get it, doesn't get his win bonus, all that kind of stuff. Has he been punished enough? That's another conversation. He was winning that fight. Like, he was pulling away. Like you said, like, the beginning of the fight, I think Henry Cejudo broke it down perfectly when he issued that apology, too, that Algermain just came out like real hot guns blazing and you can't sustain that over five rounds. Jan sustained his, his output going into that final round and he was clearly pulling away. So I think if, if it was reversed and Aljamain was clearly winning the fight, like if he was up like four, one or four Oh or something like that. And then the illegal blow happened and he won. I think there's no way you do the rematch because Aljamain was about to win anyway, but I think Aljamain was on his way to losing that fight. 
And I think that's why people want the rematch. And I also want the rematch. Also, I don't want TJ Dillashaw to skip the queue. If they are going to do the fight, it's Sanhagen Algermain. But we already saw that fight. Algermain put him to sleep. Uh, I am pretty confident Algermain would take the rematch too because he put the uh, he put the belt down in the octagon. He even posted on his YouTube channel saying like, if we run it back, I hope it's better than the first and this and that. So I'm 100% in on the rematch and this will give t- Dillashaw and Sanhagen time to throw down maybe on the same card, maybe on a fight night before and after so they're on the same timeline. But I am all in on the rematch, but there is 100% an argument against it just because Piotr Jan broke the rules and you shouldn't reward people that break the rules. But I think the vast majority, including both fighters and the most important person in this scenario, the president of the company, he wants that too. So uh, I'm all in on the rematch. Also, it's just a good martial arts fight. Like that fight was awesome. I'll watch those guys fight a thousand times and I'll never be bored. Yeah, I think it's going to do bonkers business too. And if, listen, give me five five more rounds of that, maybe more. Yeah, maybe more. Maybe I wouldn't. It's another crazy. I wouldn't fight be. A, and, yeah, if they want to put it on the main event of Figueroa Moreno too, like I'd be fine with that too because then Henry Cejudo can just be looming over the entire card because both of his <laughs> belts are on the line. It's like one of them was a draw and one of them was a DQ, and now they're both on the same card. Like I'm all in on it. I'm all in on the circus. We're going to talk about one more thing. One more dangerous thought that I've had with this whole thing is like sometimes when these things happen, we revert back to a time that had happened before and the result of that. Like if John Jones didn't land that knee against Anthony Smith and Anthony Smith didn't continue, would we be getting the same backlash for Al Jermaine because he couldn't continue? Like I kind of wish in a way that that moment didn't happen because – we have nothing else to look at. It would just be like, this is the first time we can move from there, be a different, you know, look at history and MMA and these types of situations. So again, dangerous rabbit hole to go down. But the last thing I do want to discuss on this is the process and how this all went down. The knee lands, Jose Aljo's badly hurt. The referee's giving him time, calls the doctor in, then the doctor leaves. Then the doctor comes back in and the fight is stopped. It's a DQ. The title changes hands. This process seemed like it took forever to get to its conclusion when it comes to like how it all went down, how we got from knee to new champion, how this is all handled on Saturday. How could this be done differently? Can it be done differently? Mm, I think it took a long time because as we all know, when a fighter gets low blowed, eye poked, illegally hit, you get time. You get times like what, like five minutes? But they even put the clock up on the thing now. So Alzheimer's was going to take as much time as possible. And they brought in the doctor twice because when it's not a cut, it's not like a low blow. This is your brain that he's looking at. Like they don't want him to go out there and take more brain damage. So I am not in favor of expediting the process whatsoever. I want all precautions. If that takes 10 minutes, 10 minutes it is. I want a guy to go out there 100%. I don't want them to say like, Oh, it's four minutes and 55 sec. four minutes, 55 seconds. We have five minutes. Uh, I didn't get to a decision. So the fight continues. No, I want them to be 100%. And we all know we want like Casey Lydon has said it a few times. Redundancy is at its best. If it takes three doctor checks, go for it. I want him to be hundred percent. And it takes three doctor checks to decide that he's not hundred percent. So be it. Cause I don't want a guy to get hurt just because a doctor rushes his job because they're running out of time. Uh, so did it take a long time? Yes. Was it the right decision? Yes. Did the doctor need to go in there twice? Yeah. If he needs to go in there a third time, I'm all in favor of it. Just as long as we get to the right decision and you, someone doesn't take unnecessary damage, I am in favor. Of, I am 
all in on as long as it takes and as many as long as the doctor needs to be in there. Is it fun for the broadcast? No. But again, this is a guy's brain we're talking about. Right. And I'm and I'm with you on that. The 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 fighter's health and safety comes first and foremost. Completely get that. So Matt, just kind of going back to the car in the conversation with Eric Nixick's coming up this afternoon, you'll find it on our YouTube page was really interesting. But one of the things he said was one, once the doctor comes in, he felt like the doctor should make that decision right there. And then like, if he feels, if there's a shot, there's, if there's any doubt that this man shouldn't be able to continue, the doctor should just be like, not feeling it fights over rather than delay the process. And that's fine to get to where we are. The other thing Eric said, which I thought was interesting was, the referee making a decision on the fly, like in the NFL, if there's a call, if there's a flag, if there's a pass interference, if there's something that needs to be challenged, the referee makes a decision, then they can go to replay and, you know, either keep the decision or change it based on what the referee ruled at that point in time. So I kind of thought that that was interesting. And then you could build upon that using the replay, but with how this all played out, is there anything we could do differently here in your eyes? Did, did, did you feel like this was fine? Um, the main thing I would do differently is take the responsibility of the decision away from the fighter in that, in that moment, because you should not be asking a fighter, do you want to continue after you just got illegally struck in the head like that upside the head with a, with a knee? Like we're talking about concussion, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about concussion like things here. We're not talking about you, you got kicked in the junk. Like, can you, like, do you need five minutes? Like, you know, only, you know, like how much that hurts you. Like there's no real like measurement for that. Right. So that's fine. But we're talking about you got need upside the head when you weren't looking and you can't even stand right now. Like we got people propping you up. Um, you sit up and then you laid back down and said, um, no, it's better when I lay back down because, you know, like my world is still spinning right now. So you take that responsibility away from the fighter to make that decision. Like if, especially if he's showing those sorts of reactions to everything that's going on, do your thing as a doctor, assess the situation. If you think that that fighter should not be continuing based on concussion, like symptoms, then yeah, call the fight, call it. Don't, don't let the fighter make that decision because the fighter nine times out of 10 is going to be like, I'm going to go on here. I'm fighting for, victory here i'm not gonna just take the easy way out and it, it disgusts me that so many people think that aljo did that here it's it's so disgusting it just shows you the the level of intelligence of a, the average mma fan um i'm i'm fully on board with take it out of the fighter's hands let the doctor make the decision that's literally why you call the doctor in there i would think right it's not i mean we're not like jose said we're not assessing a cut like, is it too close to the eye? Will he be able to see? Is the swelling too big on this hematoma, like on the top of your forehead? Like, no, this is a concussion-like thing. The doctor is supposed to be the expert in that situation, the one that's thinking with a clear mind, with the medical, you know, background and expertise. So that should be the 100% the doctor's decision. In this case, I thought that they did handle it pretty good, though, in terms of length of time and everything like that. Mark Smith did a fantastic job. Um, so all in all, I think it was handled pretty well, but in the future, that's how I would change it. It's a great point. We'll see how this wild story plays out in my eyes from a fan's perspective. I'm excited to see these guys run it back for potentially five more rounds. Now that they've been in there with each other for nearly 20 minutes, but uh, whew, we could talk about this for another 30 minutes, but we move ahead to the other storylines of UFC 259. The point for round two goes to... Matthew Wells has tied things up. That was a, that was a great round. 
excellent point about taking it away from the fighter. It's another point Eric made as well. But uh, let's move ahead to Amanda Nunes, who retained her featherweight title. She dominates and stops Megan Anderson in just over two minutes in the co-main event of UFC 259. Mom Nunes is a bad, bad lady, and she stole all the momentum in that fight with the very first punch she landed, made it look easy as the betting line suggested. So, Jose, let's discuss the glaring question coming out of this win and this dominant run for Amanda Nunes, okay? Where do we go from here? Because we got Juliana Pena. She wants that fight. Now that Holly Holmes out of their scheduled matchup in May, that's there. The rest of the top six, we got Jermaine Durandamy, who told me at the end of last year that she would put her career on the line for one last shot at Amanda Nunes. We got Irene Aldana, who lost to Holly Holm. There's Aspen Ladd, who's been out with an injury. And the only fighter right now in the top six on a winning streak is Yana Kunitskaya. What do we do with Amanda Nunes now, Jose? I mean... I was as soon as Juliana Pena called her out on Fight Island, I was people were like roasting her and all this stuff like, oh, you just lost to GDR and this like you're not going to get what you don't ask for. And at least she's making a fight with a man. Like we're talking about this fight because like what what you just said, of the three title fights that happened on Saturday. Very few were talking about Amanda Nunes. Like if you look at our YouTube numbers, like Jan, Izzy, Dana. but the other yawn, they're all getting these big numbers in terms of views. And Amanda was getting good numbers for a champion, but it's not that she's she's not this she wasn't this big draw on Saturday. And that's probably because everyone just expected her to run through Megan Anderson. There was no heat. There was no storyline other than oh, the storyline was Amanda Nunes just had uh, had her first daughter, and she's gonna well, she didn't have it. Uh, she's a new mom. Uh, and she's fighting. That was the story. At least Juliana Pena is bringing some heat to this fight uh, because against Holly Holm, there was no heat. Against GDR, there was no heat. Raquel Pennington. Like the Cyborg fight was interesting because it was champ versus champ. Amanda Nunes had the Ronda Rousey story for UFC 207. Oh, UFC 200. She's fighting for the title against uh, Misha Tate. There's no – like we talk about what makes a good – like what it makes this big champion. And you need a dance partner. You need a big dance partner. Like – Anderson needed Shale. Like Jan and Aljo would now be tied together. Like TJ Dillashaw needed Cody Garbrandt and vice versa. Uh, Henry Cejudo and Colby Covington kind of made made it their own stick that you're captivated by their character. Man Nunes is not that. She's just a really high-level fighter. And she needs someone to bring the eyeballs because she's not that type of fighter. Demetrius Johnson probably needed that. And it should have been that with Henry Cejudo if we got the third fight. It just didn't happen. I am all for the Juliana Pena fight because, A, it's a fresh matchup. I think Juliana Pena probably should have fought for the title. If, if Ronda Rousey didn't return at USC 207, it probably would have been Amanda Nunes, Juliana Pena right away because she was the next in line. But obviously, Ronda skipped the queue, which is I, which is more than fair because she was, she was the OG of that division. And then Juliana kind of got strong-armed into a fight against Valentina. These are her words, not mine. And she lost to Valentina, and she and then she had her daughter. She got hurt. Blah blah blah. I'm all in, in on this fight. It's fresh. There's a rivalry. There's a story. She's going to talk a lot of greasiness. Whether you like it or not is another conversation we can have later on. I'm for it. I just want. I also just want a fresh matchup. I don't want a third GDR fight. Do I want it as a fight fan? Yes, because that's a fun fight. But the UFC is not going to do that. I think it's ridiculous that they did the Holly Holmy Rene Adane fight. On Fight Island, Irene Adane should have just got the title fight anyway instead of fight Holly Holm. I don't think Juliana Pena should have been matched up with Holly Holm either. Just give her the fight. Just give her a fresh fight. Like, we're giving, what, 
Like, people are fighting off of one win, one loss. Like, Alexander Gustafson lost to Rumble Johnson and then still got a title fight after Rumble Johnson lost to DC. So, just make the Juliana Pena fight. It's a fun fight, and Amanda Nunes finally gets a verbal sparring partner. <laughs> I knew Casey was going to put that on because he's on Team Pena as well. Matt, are you on uh, Team Venezuelan Vixen at this point, or is there something else that sticks out? Because Jose makes a great point about the foil. Chris Cyborg would have been like the perfect one, but obviously the relationship between Chris Cyborg and the UFC fell apart. Chris Cyborg's in Bellator now, so now we're not going to see it, and if we do, it won't be for a long time. But at this point, 2021, what do we do with Amanda Nunes now? No, uh, Chris Cyborg would absolutely be the correct answer if – you know, all things were possible, but it's not. We live in a world of, you know, UFC fighters got to fight UFC fighters. So, yeah, Juliana is the way to go, I think, because, you know, she was set up for that Holly Holm matchup. And obviously the winner of that was going to get the next next crack at Amanda. So she kind of wins by default here. And I think that, yeah, go ahead and give her her title shot. Um, the thing with Juliana Pena, though, she says some things that confuses me, like, you know, she said Amanda was ducking her. Uh, like, no, like you lost twice in in both times. You probably would have had the title shot after those wins. So I don't know how you can duck someone after you lose your opportunity to set up yourself for a title fight, which is very strange. Um, and then in a recent interview she did when she talked about, you know, having this fight take place on Mother's Day. She also said, let's have it take place on ABC. Like, why would you not call for this to be on a pay-per-view? Does not make sense to me <laughs> that she just says some strange things at times. But I think that she is in the rightful spot for this title shot. A win over Sarah McMahon is no thing to just kind of scoff at. You know, choking her out is a pretty big thing. So, yeah, she's fought better competition than Yana Kuniskaya, I believe, um, recently and even just throughout her career. So I think she is the best stylistic matchup for amanda nunez um not saying that that means she's going to win or anything but i think she will provide a different dynamic than what we've seen against amanda nunez opponents as of as of late um mostly just strikers you know what's which has been one of her talking points true holly jermaine cyborg um you know raquel pennington for the most part and valentina all those are sh just straight strikers yeah felicia brings some grappling to the to the to the octagon but you know, Amanda was kind of doing her thing in there in that fight. So it really wasn't all that much of a, of a challenge. Um, sure. Give me Juliana Pena. Nothing else really makes sense to me. Uh, once, once Amanda gets through that fight, you can probably set up Yana Kuniskaya and then whoever may emerge, you know, after that, I guess, line them up. I think as long as Amanda Nunes is just kind of hanging around, we're going to find her in these fights that really don't intrigue a lot of people just because she's that dominant. You know, after, like she said after the fight, when Joe Rogan was like, you kind of have you created this problem for yourself. Well, there's nobody here. She said, well, that's not my problem. I mean, <laughs> she shows up, she fights whoever's in front of her. And <laughs> it's not her fault at the end of the day that those girls can't compete with her. So uh, let's stop a bl blaming Amanda Nunes for being so damn good. Let's appreciate the GOAT while we got her. Whichever way we can see her compete, I'm all on board for it. Listen, she just pulled off an inverted triangle armbar, and everybody's just like, yeah. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> that was a crazy submission that she just pulled off, and nobody's really talking about it. It's just insane. That's that's just how, how good she is. If they do the Pena fight, I'm okay with it. As long as you do GDR versus Holm, we need to see that rematch. That that first fight left a bad taste in our mouths. And then if 
whoever wins that fight, if you want to give them one crack at the belt, that's fine. Especially if GDR wins. I'm, I'm fascinated by someone willing to put their career on the line to fight Amanda Nunes. So I am kind of intrigued by the whole thing. So congratulations to Amanda Nunes. Great win. She did what she was expected to do. The submission was unbelievable. But I do want to shine some light on the rest of the card if I could, because Matt, I want to begin with you. There are a lot of strong performances on Saturday. We had 15 freaking fights to watch. And outside of the three title fights, I'm curious which fighter stock rose the most coming out of UFC 259 from when they made the walk to the octagon to when the night ended, whose stock rose the most on Saturday? Um, For me, it's one that's kind of flying under the radar. I don't see a lot of people talking about this gentleman and go on to the prelims. And it's one Kyler Phillips. Kyler Phillips caught my eye throughout the week, um, just in his interviews and everything, just his whole swag coming into this very, very tough fight against Song Yudong. And he went out there and just made it look easy against a tough guy man and he looked like man like man this guy's a real contender in this division right now that 135 division is something else it's it's the best it's been in a long time i am i am a big fan of what i saw out of him this past weekend i'm very intrigued to see what he does next he's on a nice little win streak there again that that division's so stacked at the top though so a lot of interesting things could happen but the way that that guy just showed up just had the confidence swag on a hundred all week long went out there performed like the way he did i think he kind of stole the show with the prelims for me personally so on, a, on a, like you said on a very stacked card where a lot of guys I, you know you can kind of talk about in this spot that's the guy i'm choosing to considering the way he handled himself all week long and the way he went out there and just all but dominated a very very tough song you dunk Jose, that's that's a challenger learning his opponent because something tells me you were looking at Kyler Phillips, uh, Arizona guy, had a great performance. Uh, outside of Kyler, who stole the show for you? Who's who had the, the the highest rising stock, so to speak, from beginning of the night to where they are now? I mean, the easy answer is Lamakchev, just because he has the Habib name tied to him. But I'm gonna say, but I'm not gonna take that. I think that's a cop out. I was I'm gonna take. I'm going to do two just because they fought back-to-back both in the same weight class. Askar Askarov and Kai Car France uh, really really impressed me, especially because let's not forget, Kai Car France coming off that loss, a submission loss to Brandon Royvel. Yeah, he did get rocked for that, but gets a submission loss to Brandon Royvel on Fight Island and then has to go in there and fight a monster of a black belt, Enrico Bontarin, and not only survives like a super gnarly neck crank, but he goes in there and knocks him out. Oh, let's just not forget that he just his 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 partner just or his wife girlfriend fiance I don't know exactly their relationship just had their first kid he's now a dad and now he has to go back and go through that, that whole quarantine thing so he's a new dad who can't go hold his kid for a long time but he also gets to go back with a performance bonus and a win bonus so all in all not a bad day for Kai Car France and Askar Askarov anytime you 30 26 a fighter of Joseph Benavidez's caliber how can you not be impressed I mean what he needed to do is because if Joseph Benavidez won even he himself said probably not going to get a title fight anytime soon if ever again Askar Askarov is risking a ton to go out there and fight someone that is not going to fight for a title against sitting at number three so if and let's not forget he has a draw against Brent Moreno who just fought to a draw against Figueredo so if we're talking about who deserves and who doesn't deserve fights, Askar Askarov is the next contender at flyweight. Yes, I get the Cody Garbrandt and Cejudo ghosts are looming over the 125-pound division. But if those are out of the picture, it's Figueredo slash Moreno versus Askar Askarov. So two flyweights really – yes, Askar Askarov missed weight, so it's technically catch weight. But both of those men 
uh, were very impressive in their fights, and I think they stole the show on the prelims, in my mind. I think the correct answer, especially after hearing what you guys both said, it's got to be Amanda Lemos. I mean, my God, what a performance she had. And no one's talking about her either. It's so crazy. Uh, I think she just she got, sam- she got sandwiched between two crazy fights. So it's just, you know, awesome fight. But, like, the next fight was the Brady Sean Brady fight, and that fight ruled too. Yeah, agreed. But uh, listen, it's going to go down as one of the more memorable and uh, storyline-filled events of the year. No doubt about that. But we're going to move ahead. Final round of regulation in the lead is... The challenger, Matthew Wells, is up two to one. <laughs> it's okay. We, uh, we, all know, we all know Cowboy fans can't keep a lead, and us Red Sox fans love being behind going into the final round. I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I can't argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys have watched this show. All right, UFC 259 obviously was loaded up. It's uh, it's tougher events sometimes to lead into big cards like that as well as follow up big cards like that, but somebody's got to do it. UFC Vegas 21 goes down this Saturday. As of now, we got 13 fights on the bill headlined by Leon Edwards versus Bilal Muhammad. We're going to get into that fight in a minute, gentlemen, but Matt, I want to begin with you. When you look at this card as a whole, especially coming out of UFC 259, how would you gauge your excitement level? pretty excited personally because i love this main event i'm very excited to see leon edwards return to action um it's been way too long for reasons outside of his control and you know not just him on his side but also on his opponent's side uh the ufc got married to this matchup against shamayev for whatever reason and it, it really sucks that it sidelined not only him but also shamayev for that long but on the other side, he's fighting Bilal Muhammad, who's a guy who's just been so good for so long, and he's just he seems like he's hitting the stride. I love the fight. I love the matchup. I don't know which which uh, or where they end up after the win for either fighter. Um, hopefully, you know, it, it would seem like this would set up a title shot for the winner here, but, you know, the UFC does crazy things, and I don't know if either guy would be the one to really kind of knock down the door you know, from, from the casuals perspective of, of clamoring for a title shot, but there's other good fights on this card too, man. Fortis MMA's Ryan Spann taking on Misha Serkinov. I'm definitely looking forward to that in the co-main event as well. Obviously being a DFW guy who spent some time down at Fortis, very, very much looking forward to Ryan Spann going out there and having another opportunity to pick up a big win. So, uh, yeah, those are my two favorite fights on this card, but listen, anytime Angela Hill's competing as well, I'm excited um same with uh eric anders and darren stewart that's a fantastic fight too man so a lot of good fights on this card uh coming off the heels of a fantastic pay-per-view this is a damn good damn good fight night card jose is this like the monday night raw after wrestlemania is that that excitement gonna sort of carry over is this one of those cards for you Ooh. Comparing it to the Monday night after. No, I don't think it's that. It's not that stacked, but there are fights that I'm, there are fights and fighters I'm obviously super intrigued with. Like the Dan Ige Gavin Tucker fight is fun. Uh, I'm really excited for Mateus Nicolau fighting Manel Cape because it felt like Manel Cape took forever to make his debut because fights fell out, opponents got hurt, and they, again, like Matt said, like they were married to the Leon Edwards Shamaya fight. Felt like they were really married to the Manel Cape Pantoja fight, and then that fight finally happened and uh, wasn't the fight we were expecting from Manel Cape. But 
let's also not forget, like, Marlon Murray is kind of laid an egg in his first fight against, uh, who was it, a Sun Sal. So I feel like Manel Cave is going to come out here like a bat out of hell. And then Mateus Nicolau, is this his first fight back since signing, yeah. since re-signing with the UFC? He was in Brave. He, like, Shorty Torres, he was going to be in that fight with Shorty Torres. For whatever reason, they brought back all the flyaways except Shorty. Let's bring him back, guys. I think it's time to see Shorty back in the octagon. So there's, and then obviously Charles Jordan, fellow fellow nerd, fellow dork. Like obviously, I don't play World of Warcraft myself. Never played it, but this dude's eyes light up if you bring if you bring up uh, uh, anything to do with World of Warcraft. And I love talking with fighters about their passions outside of fighting, as I'm sure you all do, and as I know our uh, the guy on the ones and twos, Casey Lydon, likes to do. And then Jinyu Fry making a return again. So. A lot of fun fights, a lot of fun fighters. I wish there was maybe one more big marquee fight. Like if they had had the Ryan Hall Dan Ige fight, I think it would have been enough to kind of tip this over to being a really intriguing fight night. But the main event, like I'm not going to lie, this is a main event card and the rest are fun, but everyone's tuning in for the main event and it is awesome. Well, let's talk about the main event. Mad made some good points about it. Leon Edwards, Jose, eight in a row, hasn't fought since the RDA win in July of 2019. And then we have Bilal Muhammad, who might just be the most underrated fighter at 170 pounds, gets a big opportunity to, to shake some things up here. So, Jose, I know we touched on this a bit after it was announced on this program, but now we're four days away from it. What's at stake for these two guys, especially for Leon Edwards? Like, if he goes out there and puts it on Bilal Muhammad... Will that be enough to get him at the top of the heap and get him in the cage with Kamaru? After the Usman Burns fight, I would have said no. I was pretty confident they were about to book the Masvidal fight, especially now that Masvidal then came out and said, oh, we're fighting in September, this and that. But Kamaru Usman tweeting, like, what did he tweet? Like, anyone can get it. And then Kamaru Usman's manager, Ali Abdelaziz, also said, like, Masvidal doesn't make the rules. If Kamaru wants to fight, he'll take the fight. So... I think they were playing the seeds in maybe another direction. So I think if Leon wins, if he goes out there and just crushes Bilal, it's going to come down to him or Wonderboy. I don't think there's a wrong answer there. Wonderboy only because he might not get he's He's getting real close to that age where he might not fight much longer. I would like to see him get one more title fight. Also, the fans seem to get really behind him. It's a fresh matchup against the champion because we just we just went up. We did a whole round on Amanda Nunes, and our answer was we'd like to see a fresh matchup. Same thing can be said with Kamaru. He's pretty much beaten everyone in the top five, and he have to go all the way down to Stephen Thompson to get a fresh matchup. So if they want to make that, that's fine. But if you're talking about who's deserving, like like if he had beaten Shamaya, like like if he had beaten Shamaya, probably just because in the eyes of the fans, Shamaya is the uncrowned champion. But we all know he wasn't ranked. He shouldn't have been ranked a welterweight, and he had not beaten a real welterweight yet. Now he's fighting a guy that I think is even even tougher challenge because remember when Joe Rogan was like, oh, Drew Dover is the most underappreciated fighter in the whole UFC. He's probably going to say the same thing about Bilal Muhammad because Joe Rogan has a new underappreciated fighter in the history of MMA, <laughs> every single card. Bilal Muhammad is a fantastic fighter. Uh, is it enough to get – is a win over Bilal enough to get a tell shot? I think he'd have to go out there and beat him in like two minutes. Uh, but prop maybe if, but for Bilal Muhammad, he just has to look good. Even in a loss, if he looks any sort of competitive, taking a fight on short notice against a top five fighter in the world at his weight class, that's a win. So again, but it's a win is for Leon. It's going to come down to between him and Wonderboy. I don't think it was the wrong answer there. Matt, is this one of those like playing with house bunny type of fights for Bilal Muhammad? Like a lot can obviously change for him with the win. 
And as long as it's somewhat competitive, I don't feel like he loses a lot of gusto here. Is this one of those nothing to lose type of scenarios for Mr. Rem Remember the Name on Saturday? I think it's pretty close to that, but I think it's also, you know, obviously a massive opportunity to really solidify himself at the top of the division. But if he does lose in this spot, yeah, it doesn't hurt his stock too much because he's ranked 13th. Um, a lot of people think that this is a huge jump for him coming in already against Leon Edwards. So, yeah, it is pretty much a house money type of situation for him. And that's partially why we also don't think that if Leon gets a win over him, that he won't get set up for a title shot. Um, I will agree with Jose that, yeah, you should absolutely do Steven Wonderboy Thompson against Kamaru Usman next because of the fresh matchup and age and all that stuff like that considered a uh, stylistic matchup as well. Uh, we haven't seen Kamaru fight someone as dynamic on the feet like that recently. So that is a huge opportunity to go ahead and just make that. Let Leon and Bilal obviously settle things this weekend coming up. And we can see how that plays out because if Leon does what most people think Leon will do, which is, you know, win a five round decision where he's just piecing, piecing ball all up over the course of 25 minutes and he's not doing anything particularly spectacular, that's not going to get a lot of people excited. Whereas you have Steven Thompson on the other side, who's just an easy sell. You just mentioned his name and everybody's just on board with it. So I think that unless if Leon does just absolutely spark him in the first round, which I don't see happening, I think Bilal's way too good for that to happen. Um, I think we're going to be looking at uh, Leon sitting on the sidelines after this one for a while if he does win um, and potentially having to take another fight, depending on how long they're going to wait before they book Usman and, and Thompson. So it's going to be uh, a harder battle for, for Leon to make his case and and Bilal is really just uh just you know free rolling at this point you know he can go out there and make a good showing of himself even in a loss similar to how uh Izzy did this past weekend you know he lost the fight but didn't lose stock very much so uh it's a it's a hell of an opportunity for for Bilal to really not only just make everybody remember the name uh yeah but uh also have an opportunity <laughs> to go get a big win Busy, busy month for the UFC. We got two more fight nights. We got another pay per view coming up on the 27th. Two more title fights. A lot of face punching in our futures as we turn to spring. And here in Massachusetts, we look forward to that. But as far as this matchup goes, the point for round four goes to. Red Sox Nation. Jose Young's ties things up. As we head to the knockout round, and for those who are new to the program, one question is going to decide it all. They have no idea what this question is for the most part, but they will each have 60 seconds to respond. After that, with the help of the viewing audience, we will turn it over to the judge, the baddest stash in MMA media, Casey Lydon, to render the final decision. So, Jose, you are back. You are the champion. You have the choice. Do you want to go first, or do you want to let Matt get the ball rolling? Is this the same thing as last time? Like we both get the same question. It's not like door. It's not like red pill, blue pill. Each question is different. You get the same question. All right, Matt can go first. All right, Matt. So we had uh, one of those red door, blue door questions last week. We had a choice of two. We went a different direction. So we're actually going to hit the one we did not discuss last week. The golden trifecta question. So a couple of weeks ago, 
We had two title fights announced for UFC 261 in April, and we had a, a title fight announced for June. So we got Valentina Shevchenko versus Jessica Andrade for the women's flyweight title. Zhang Wei Li returns for the first time since the epic battle against Yuani and Jacek. She defends against Rose Namajunas. And in June, we got the rematch for the men's flyweight title between Davis and Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. So Matthew Wells, I ask you, which one of these three title fights interests you the most and why? So we're going to put one minute on the clock. Most interesting of these three title fights that were announced a couple weeks ago. Your time starts now. For me, I'm going with the strawweight title fight, Weili Zhang and Rose Namajunas. Uh, that is a, just a fantastic fight. Who knows what can happen in this one? It could go either way. I love the stylistic clash in this fight, and it makes... Uh, it's just the best fight that can possibly happen in this division where, you know, you have some contenders emerging slowly but surely. You also have Tatiana Suarez uh, sitting on the wings, ready, ready to come back at any moment. So this really sets the tone for the division in the near future. I love this fight. I love all three of them. But this one in particular, let's see if Willie Zhang can hold down the title for China and continue to rep that flag and, you know, keep the UFC in tune to that that side of the globe over there as well. Uh, just the best matchup all around, like I said, stylistically for what it means for the future of the division and all that good stuff. I think that's also going to be the most entertaining fight, even though the flyweight title fight was one of the best fights of the year last year in that draw. So there we go. We heard from the challenger. All right, Jose, same question. We got Shevchenko Andrade, Weili Namajunas, Figgy Moreno 2. Which one of these three title fights is the most interesting and why? Your one minute starts now. I'm also going to say the strawweight title because Zhang Weili, Zhang first, uh, hasn't fought since last March and in the fight of the year. I actually liked Figueredo Moreno a little better, uh, but it's like there's no wrong answer there. But... What was the big narrative we talked about when Rose beat Jessica Andrade on Fight Island, their rematch? That was the big octagon. And now we're all like, well, if it was the small octagon, Rose wouldn't have been able to keep away and Andrade could have gotten in close and used her power and grappling and just hit and, and have a better chance of catching her. We saw that with Izzy and Yan, where Yan could grab him and control him. Zhang Weili hits like a truck. So if this fight is inside a small octagon, I am so ready for this fight. That is if it's in Las Vegas. If it's in Houston or Dallas or somewhere in Texas and Matt gets to go and I'm there in Texas with him and we get it in the big octagon, it might be a different story because Rose gets uh, more time to go five rounds in a bigger cage. But I am 100% in favor of Zhang Wei Li, which is Rose Namajunas. Oh, man. We have two guys pick the same fight for different reasons. It's going to make things interesting. So we'll let the, uh, the comments, the viewers chime in with their votes while we do that. Uh, we got this show a side coming up tomorrow with the very special guest. We'll let Jose reveal that coming up uh, a little bit later on in the program. Once we announce the winner, what the heck is moving to Thursday. This day has been bananas. I will not have a voice by the end of this day. I could tell you that right now because I have so many interviews lined up more tomorrow. Uh, I've actually just texted with Sean Brady. So we'll hear from him as well. Um, and then of course we get your preview show on Friday for UFC Vegas 21. We'll have the pre-fight show, the Q and a, and then post fight show, all that good stuff as well. Virtual media day. So we get a busy week for you here on MMAfighting.com. With that being said, we turn it on over to the baddest stash at MMA media, the judge, the jury, the executive producer, Casey Lydon, who gets the strap, my man. (sighs) 
Well played, gentlemen. This is a tough one. It's basically which 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 competitor likes to fight more. <laughs> um All right. <clears throat> I picked a winner. Your winner. And still, Jose Youngs. <laughs> I gotta tell ya. I gotta let the. I gotta tell ya. Once, once the cage side, cage size conversation came into play, I was like, "Rut row, this is gonna get interesting." So, uh, don't Jose play, gets the victory. Don't, play, <laughs> don't fight hard, fight smart. You gotta play to the judges. Oh, man, that's what uh, being Guys, on the show multiple times will do for you. Size matters. Size matters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, Jose gets the victory. And with that, you get 30 seconds to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Good, bad, and different. MMA, oh. uh, the A-side, uh, guest reveal, whatever you want to talk about, my man. The floor is yours. Yeah, I'll, I'll reveal the guest at, at the end. But let's, let's again, we're going to talk about the rules being broken. You break the rules you get punished. I don't want to hear any of this, oh, Alderman should have stayed in the fight for the better mar- betterment of martial arts and this that. No. Piotr Jan broke the rules. And throw Matt Wells up on the screen with me for a second because I want to get his reaction to this too, at least so I can see it. When someone breaks the rules, like when an NFL receiver catches the ball near the end zone and falls down <laughs> and it touches the floor and it pops out and he's like, that was a catch, but what do the rules say? No incomplete pass by for Des Bryant. <laughs> Green Bay Packers win. Dens the rules. You can't argue with the rules. You can argue with it until you're black and blue 10 years later. But those are the rules, Matt. Am I right? Hell yeah, no. He's a, he's a, <laughs> he is speechless beyond words because he is knows i'm 100 correct but anyway uh, i'll let him rebuttal in forever and ever i'll let him rebuttal in two seconds um the big the big guest for tomorrow uh wwe's big e the reigning intercontinental champion of the world on smackdown is going to be joining myself and casey lyden on the a side tomorrow to plug his new uh project our heroes rock uh i'm not i'll let him tell you about it but if you have questions, the stream is already built. You can start lining them up there right now. He's obviously a really big fight fan. He watches almost all of the fights. He was on our show before, and we had such big, uh, such a positive reaction about his knowledge of the sport that I've been trying to get him on for a while. But now he has this big project he's working on with another one of uh, ours and Matt's good friends, Andres Hale. Uh, Andres won't be on, but he'll be back on at another time. So they have their big project going on, and I'm really excited for that. So tune in tomorrow. 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. That's a wrap. There you go. Matt, uh, a tremendous guest. This will not be the last time we see you, I'm sure. Any uh, any thoughts on Mr. Lydon's decision here? I mean, you know, listen, I've lost in life. Um, it's not the first time I've lost in other sports. I've lost in other competitions. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. I, I dipped into my Israel Adesanya bag there for a second. But I, I respect it. I respect the judges, you know. Don't want to upset them too much because I will return. I will return. I will be back. 
Well said. Well, that'll do it for the show this week, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for watching. Back next Thursday to do it all over again. Things go back to normal. Hopefully we don't have any wild and crazy antics to discuss on the program, but I'm sure we will. So for Jose Youngs, Matt Wells, Casey Lydon, I am Mike Keck. We'll see you next week right here between the links. The iconic voice of somebody will take you home. Not really sure who it's going to be, but good night, everybody. This is between the links. I am Esther Lynn. You know this because I say my name when I speak. Thanks for watching. Hit the subscribe button. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.